Good morning, everybody. How you guys doing? Good, good. Well, we um, have been in a series uh, called James in Faith, and so it's a verse-by-verse study of the book of the James, but we have found that the theme throughout is faith, and the Christian life lived in faith. And so today we're going to be in chapter 3 of James. Now, um, I want to encourage you guys all to, if you can... Uh, download the app and you'd be able to follow along in our sermon notes section. If you if you do that, you can type in into your browser, austinchapel.org forward slash app, and that'll take you directly to the Bulletin Plus app where you can download it and you can get um, to the sermon notes and you can follow along and everything through there. The cool thing about this app is that it also has a calendar. It has announcements, sermon audio. It has a Bible and a Bible reading plan in there as well. And so... If you're worried about space, you can delete your Bible app, and you could even just use the Bible app inside the church app. So there's a lot that you can do. It will help you stay connected. We also obviously have Facebook groups and everything, but not everybody has Facebook, and not everybody checks Facebook that has Facebook. So this app is a great way for us to um, all be connected um, through that. So that's a great way, if um, not just uh, get to the Scripture one way or another. I, I really want to stress the importance of having the Scripture in front of you, right? We have it on the slides and everything, but either there or on your phone in some way, because the thing is, you shouldn't just trust me, right? You shouldn't just trust me. Like, the Bible talks about the Bereans, who, who they, they went and looked to the Scriptures for themselves, for everything that Paul was saying, to, to test him, to check it. And I encourage you guys all to do the same thing. Look at it for yourself. And if it's something that you can write on, you can take a note, you can write a question, that's better because it helps you in the long term understand things more clearly and really have a better understanding of the scripture and to know where it was. And we all know that taking notes or seeing it visually, something that you can click on, is better than reading on the screen for your own memory. So I want to encourage you guys to do all that. Um, Let's go ahead and pray real quick, um, and then we'll dive into James chapter 3. Father, um, thank you so much for every single person who came this morning, who got up and came over to Austin Chapel, our little church plant. Lord, thank you so much for every single one of these people. Lord, I'm blessed. Um, I'm honored to even get to speak to one person, much less any person who would come and listen to me, Lord. Um, So I pray that this would be a time that isn't about any one person in here, Lord. It's not a time about um, what's been going on the week, Lord. This is a time for you, Lord. Let your spirit reign in this room, Lord, as we pursue the kingdom of heaven, God. The kingdom of heaven being everything that reigns, um, that you reign over, Lord. Whether it be our lives, this church, this city, Lord, the things that you reign over, where your glory is evident, where your um, children are obedient, Lord. Um, Let our hearts just um, allow you to reign over them, Lord. Um, That we wouldn't um, be concerned with other things. We would let a lot of our preferences, let a lot of our stresses, our anxieties... um, And leave them all so that we can truly just hear what your word has to say in James chapter 3, Lord. Um, Let our hearts and our minds not be caught up on other things, but truly be open to your word, Lord, and to the working of the Holy Spirit in this room. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So James chapter 3 will be in verse 1. Now, this is a portion of scripture that is all about the tongue. It's a very, very famous uh, portion of Scripture. Um, I would imagine that many of you have heard of it or have heard at least portions of it. And the idea is that the tongue is a small part of our body, but it can control our entire life. It is a small thing that has incredible power. And we think of a lot of things in life that 
have a lot of power, they don't have to be small, do they? Right? Like you can think of maybe something that's big that has a lot of power, maybe a tank or an airplane. Right? There's these big, powerful things. But big doesn't necessarily mean powerful. And small doesn't mean weak. There can be small things that are incredibly powerful. Think of the atomic bomb, right? The splitting of an atom. Or now we have hydrogen bombs, which can be infinitely um, more disastrous, which cause... It's a bomb inside of a bomb. You ever read about these? I did for this message, okay? Uh, it's basically they split an atom, and then around it they basically have like hydrogen particles, and the particles collide and it's basically insane friction at a like molecular level, right? You know how like I was drilling something yesterday and I drilled for too long and I and wasn't going in. So I grabbed that screw and that screw was really hot, right? Because of the friction uh, from drilling on it. Well, that happens at basically molecular level. It's called fusion. It creates this bomb that's insanely powerful. And so you think like even the smallest little atom, something we can't even really perceive Yet it can create this huge, powerful explosion and cause huge damage. Well, I would say that James is really getting at here in this this text is he's saying the same thing. It's this small part of your body, but it has incredible power, both for good and evil. And so as we dive in, um, really what we need to realize is that we cannot underestimate the power of our words, which we do oftentimes. And so he wants to stress the importance of how we use our words, of what we choose to say. And so let's be open to that. Let's be open to really the rebuke he's going to give us. And we're all guilty of this, he's going to say. We're all guilty of using our words for evil instead of good. Now, he says in verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. I don't like that verse. <laughs> right? As a teacher, like this verse should scare me and, and it does. And that's a good thing. Right? We should be judged with more strictness. You know, I am very, um, I oftentimes find myself very worried about, did I say this right? Did I explain that theological point correct? Like I'll go listen and if I make a mistake, I find a way in my next message to go fix it, right? Like oftentimes I find my mistakes are very, very small. Sometimes I'll misreference a verse accidentally or something like that. But for me, it's a very important thing to be theologically correct, to reference scripture properly, and to really represent God's word properly. And so um, you guys should hold me accountable to that. If you ever hear me say something like, yeah, you can come talk to me. I'm not going to be offended, okay? Because I should be held at a level, since I'm publicly speaking, I should be held accountable for that public speaking that I'm doing. And so he says not many of us should become teachers because you're going to be judged with a greater strictness. Verse 2, For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. So he's, he's really stressing here the, the power of our words. He says, maybe you shouldn't be a teacher if you can't control what you're going to say. If you can't control your mouth, maybe you shouldn't be a teacher because you're going to be judged by others with a lot of strictness because they're looking at you. And then he goes on here, he says, for we all stumble in many ways. He says, we all stumble. Our mouths stumble. Like we say things we shouldn't say. He's like, in fact, if you really can control your tongue, he's like, then you're a perfect man. And none of us are perfect. We all have a hard time controlling our mouth. I, I heard someone, um, it was a message I was listening to some time ago, and it said, he said, it takes us two years to learn how to use our mouth. 
and the rest of our life to learn to control it. All right? And Melissa, I told Melissa that, and she's like, well, the rest of our life learning when to shut up. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, but there's a lot of truth there. We, it takes about two years to where we can really control our mouth and learn words and speak, but then the rest of our life we're trying to control it. Right? And uh, the good thing about our, our mouth, the thing we oftentimes forget is that our tongue came with a cage. Right? The mouth. And sometimes really the best thing to do is to shut your mouth. And we'll see that in a second here. But um, he says that if you're able to control your mouth, then you'd be able to control your whole body. And because it is very hard for us to control our words, he's saying if you can learn to do that, you can learn to do um, pretty much anything. Verse 3. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Verse 4, look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. He gives us two pictures here, two um, ideas of really how powerful the tongue is. He says, one is like if you put a bit in a horse's mouth, you can control that horse. And a horse is a lot strong, stronger than you. That's why it's called horsepower, not manpower. Right? Like, it's a strong animal. It's an animal that if it wanted to, could totally overpower you. Yet when we control its mouth, we're able to steer it. We're able to guide it. We're able to train it. And then he says, think of a ship. A ship is a huge thing. When you think about the size of the ship in comparison to its rudder, how does that rudder control it? That's a very powerful, small little thing. And he says, even think like all of the wind pushing against that sail and against that ship, yet that rudder is able to still steer it wherever the pilot wants it to go. He's saying that this very small rudder can control a large ship even in the storms. Even when you would think, how can that small thing fight a storm but it does the same thing with our words with our tongue we have the ability to control our whole body and we have the ability to control very large things right with our mouth we can either do a lot of good or a lot of evil our words are much more powerful than we want to admit he says so the tongue is small yet it boasts of great things. Right? You can take that a lot of different ways, good or bad, but the tongue can boast and boast and boast. And you can boast and and, and really be lying or, or boast in pride or vanity, but you can also boast about the glory of God. And your tongue can be incredibly powerful. Let's continue here. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. So now he compares the tongue to a fire. Think of a forest fire that can be started by a single spark. A single spark can burn down an entire forest, I mean, if you drive out to Bastrop, you'll see still, even though it's been years now, you see all of these dead trees. Now you, start, you have new life popping up, new trees growing, 
But when you drive through the backdrop and that some of those that forest around there, you just see so much burned down trees and all this devastation that was caused by just a little fire. I mean, in Texas, that isn't as common. But if you go to Oregon, Oregon, you can't drive any direction without along your way seeing some part of the damage a forest fire caused. Every, I mean, I, th- I remember every direction you go. You would drive to this mountain, you drive to the city, wherever you drive, wherever you drove, you would see along your way portions of the forest that were just completely burned down. And it's a really sad thing, but I mean, when you have a bad fire every summer or, or sometimes multiple, I mean, you're, every direction you go, you're going to see the devastation that a little tiny spark caused. And he says our tongue is that powerful. He says our tongue can set fire. It says it can set our lives on fire, set the whole course of <clears throat> the whole course of life on fire. He says it can be set on fire for hell, and you can do incredible destruction with your words. Oftentimes, we don't want to admit how powerful our words are, because honestly, that's a big burden to bear. The guilt of knowing your words cause damage in people's life is a big burden to bear. And so we just want to say, well, it's just words. I didn't mean it. I was just joking. We say a lot of things, but I mean, one insult or something can really be what pushes somebody over the edge, right? You can completely distort somebody's self-image by your words. You can contribute to somebody's depression with your words. You can truly hurt someone with your words. I mean, has anybody ever said something to you that really struck you down deep? That really stuck with you? Maybe still sticks with you? They said something about you that still rings? That echo still rings in the back of your mind sometimes? Our words are incredibly powerful. But at the same time, they're incredibly powerful for good. I mean, I remember things that people have said to me that have hurt me or have caused some kind of emotional distress, but I also remember certain conversations. I can remember them clear as day that were life-changing for me. Maybe it was the first time you heard the gospel. Maybe it was someone just really encouraging you to do something that changed your entire life for the better. I remember, you know, I was, I was, I was a, like a, a youth group kid. Like, I, I used to brag to the youth pastor that I had, been, like I had missed less weeks than him. <laughs> like I really did. Like I was, I was a nerd when it came to youth group. For some reason, it's not something to be proud of. It wasn't very cool. Uh, <laughs> looking back on it, but you know, uh, I remember I had two youth pastors when I was in high school, and you know their messages were, of course, influential. That I learned a lot. But there was this one youth leader, and he wasn't even my like small group leader. He was another small group leader, but he took me out to coffee, and he also had me work. Um, for a month on his tile crew. He had a tile crew. And one time we, we um, got coffee, and uh, I remember the coffee shop was called Thump Coffee, and we're sitting there, and we're walking um, around. We just, I don't remember where we sat. I think it was about by the park, and then he had this conversation with me, and he said, because uh, I was thinking about going to Bible college at the time, and I can remember this, co- this conversation so clearly. He said, hey, when you go to Bible college, he's like, you can choose your friends. And he's like, I want you to think about who you choose for your friends. He's like, your immediate jump is the people who are like you. He's like, the people that you get along the best with. He's like, or, he's like, you can go and find the people that nobody else is talking to. 
And he's like, and you can go and make friends with them. And he's like, I guarantee you, you'll have way more fun and you'll have a way better experience. And that stuck in my head. That stuck in my head for so long. So me and my best friend, we went to Bible college together. And I remember, like, we talked about that. And we made it our whole goal. We, we found, like, I'm not insulting them, but we found the weirdest guys. Like, the guys that the girls were creeped out by. The guys who wore a t- trench coat and walked around talking to themselves around the campus. Like, we made this little gang of guys. And it was, like, honestly, like, I have these incredible memories going to the beach with those guys and all this stuff. And it was just a lot of fun. It changed my entire experience at Bible college. And now I still hung out with some cool people. Melissa wasn't one of those people that like, (laughs) 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 she trench coat. (laughs) I met a beautiful, very cool girl. I'm not deserving of. Right. So I I was, I wasn't only hanging out with uh, the awkward guys, but like, Through that one conversation, I think of it still to this day. He has incredible power in my life to not just judge people based on appearances and and preferences and the things that you like and only hang out with those people, but to just love everybody. Like, it made a huge difference in my life. And, you know, so our words have incredible power for good and for evil. And they can completely change the course of our own life. And they can completely change the course of others' lives. Verse 7. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. Does every kind of beast. I mean, you think about it. You got the, the, the snakes that come out when you're playing a little flute or whatever. They just uncoil and that's creepy. Uh, who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> Like, at what point were they like, you know that really deadly cobra? Let's see if we can get it to, like, do a dance in a... Like, <laughs> okay, oh, we got Shamu, right? Like, the, one of the largest sea creatures dancing for us, right? Like, we've been able to tame every type of creature. People have pet iguanas, come on, right? Uh, <laughs> somebody probably has one, I just insulted them, I'm sorry. Uh, so... He says, we can tame all these beasts, but no one can tame the tongue. He says, verse 8, but no human being can tame the tongue. Listen to this. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. A restless evil. Do you ever feel like your mouth is restless, right? If somebody insults you, man, your, your, your words, like your, your emotion there, your tongues, they get restless, right? And you want to come back at them so hard because our, our tongues are restless, when someone makes fun of you, someone insults you, you get restless. When someone does something that you don't like, you, you, you just want to gossip. Your, your mouth is so restless. Like, it's, it's like, you know, like it itches almost. Like, I got to talk. I got to say it. Our mouths can be a restless evil. It says full of deadly poison. Obviously, it's not a physical poison he's talking about, but our words can be so damaging. Literally, it's like you're poisoning somebody's life when you speak we should be so much more aware of what we say why we say it and if we should say it verse 9 with it we bless our lord and father and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of god he points out the hypocrisy of going oh i love you thank you you're so good we praise you and then to go and like talk evil of people who are created in his image. They're made in his likeness. 
right? If we really love God so much and we want to speak all this good, like say all these good things about God, speak well of him, but then we go and we talk about the people that he created and that he loves and we're like, well, they did this and I don't like that about them and this and that. Like, listen, God knows full well how bad they are. In fact, he knows so much more clearly and fully their sin. Anything that you're annoyed about with them, any, any um, weakness or flaw you see in them, God sees it even more fully and clearly, yet he still chose to send his only son to die for them because he loves them. Amen? So who are we to say bad things about people and talk bad about them when God says, I know, but that's why I sent my son. Because they do need my love. Because they aren't perfect, but who are you to talk bad about them? And I'm yelling at myself, y'all. <laughs> like, right? Because we all have a hard time taming our tongue. We should shut our mouths sometimes. That's the point of this text here is control what you're going to say. Learn to be wise in your words. So instead of being someone who blesses the father but curses the brothers, he says, kind of this analogy here, does a spring... Verse 11, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Verse 12, can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Verse 10, says, these things ought not to be so with us. He says, you should not be a grapevine producing figs or a fresh water pond producing salt water. He calls upon our identity. You notice that? He says these things should not be so. I know we all have a hard time controlling our tongues. I know we've all used our tongues for evil. We've spoken death into people's life instead of life into their life. But he says that should not be so. Let me call upon your identity. As you're going and confessing that you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. As you're saying that I love the Father and I want to worship Him. He said that should absolutely influence your words. And that when evil pours out of your mouth. You should realize that that is out of character for who you claim to be in Christ. Like This is not a part of who I am anymore. To view gossip and slander and lying and insulting and, and coarse joking against people and all these things. To see them as not a part of who I am in Christ. That it is out of character for me and my identity in Christ. It should be out of character for us. Now, we're not perfect, so we mess up. And as damaging as words can be, they can also be very healing. When you go and ask for forgiveness, when you apologize instead of going, well, I'm sure they're fine. Words, oftentimes, can be the healing to the damage that your words have caused. It doesn't excuse it, and it doesn't mean you can just say whatever you want, and then go apologize. Of course not. But if you have made mistakes, if you have insulted people, go ask for forgiveness. Apologize. Now, you know, he's speaking of the fire. He speaks of how damaging our words can be, that we can set this entire forest afire. You know, there's a fire. A house burns on, catches on fire every 86 seconds. That's a lot more than I thought it would be. 
every 86 seconds in the country, maybe it's in the world, I can't remember the stat, but every 86 seconds, think for a second, like there's fire going on everywhere. We have these teams, people putting out these fires all over the world. I was watching this little documentary thing on Netflix about Detroit um, and people there light houses on fire for the insurance because like it's just this abandoned city. It used to be two million out seven hundred thousand, so you just have all these empty houses. So people just burn them down for insurance money. So there's like the Detroit Fire Department has to deal with uh, sometimes even dozens in one day, which is crazy. Now I was thinking about just literal fire, how damaging it can be, and how often and how quickly it can it can happen. And I was thinking, what if we really viewed our words as fire? Or is deadly poison? To not just write off our jokes, our insults, and our gossip as, well, you know, I'm not perfect. It's not that big of a deal. I'm sure they're fine. But to really view it as this deadly fire, this deadly poison that has incredible damage. But then to also view the incredible power for good our words have. If you think of a compliment... You think of something good you should say to somebody. You think of a word of encouragement you can give to somebody. You should say it. I mean, I've heard people, I don't, I don't want to like puff them up, right? Come on. <laughs> be nice. Like say things to them. Well, we're like, I don't want to be like someone who's just, just flattering people. Let me tell you the difference between a true compliment and flattery, right? Gossip is saying things behind somebody's back that you won't say to their face and flattery is saying something to somebody's face that you wouldn't say behind their back that's what flattery is flattery is saying man i think you're great i hate that guy (laughs) that's flattery but if you mean it who are you to judge their pride and say oh if i say that to them they're going to get a big head and i don't want them to get a big head and blah 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 just compliment them encourage them build them up you see that they're good at something encourage them and tell them hey great job you're awesome right why do we hold back compliments but are quick to talk about people behind their backs why are we quick to rip somebody apart but not to build them up our words can have incredible power for good I heard that in your lifetime, the average person will have a drastic influence on 150 other people's lives. In your entire life, the average person has a life-changing, life-altering effect or um, is able to cause that life-changing change in their lives. Sorry, that didn't make sense. But you're able to have that kind of influence over 150 people in your lifetime. Now that may seem a lot to you or may not seem like very many people. Like you're not changing everybody's life every time you do a Facebook post, right? That doesn't count. I know you have 400 friends on Facebook, but not every one of your posts is life-changing, right? But you're able to have true life-changing, life-altering effect on about 150 people in your lifetime. And that is caused by oftentimes your words in a relationship with somebody. I also read that in your lifetime, the majority of your 
time will be spent with 12 to 13 people. Like the majority of your social time in your entire life can be divvied up to about 12 or 13 people. Everyone else you just kind of know. But the majority of your time in your entire life will be 12 to 13 people. It's an interesting stat. I I think of it like there's only a few people that I've spent a true majority of my time with. Probably not even 12 yet. You know? Like a true majority of my time. Um, We have a lot of influence when we are close to someone and can speak life into their life. The people that you're closest to may actually be the people that you can cause the most damage or good in their life with your words. And sometimes the people we're closest to are the ones we're most careless with our words with. But we should be building them up, encouraging them. Because the people you're closest to are the people that are going to listen to you. They don't just brush it off. When it's a stranger insults you, it probably doesn't mean a lot. But when it's someone you're really close to, someone you respect, it can do a lot of hurt. and cause a lot of damage. Now, so what do we do? What do we do next? Like, how can we move forward? Well, I have five points for us to, to think about as we learn to control our words. One is, this is so obvious, it's probably something you've been taught since you were a small child, but one is think before you speak. You know, in James 1, earlier in this book, he said, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Think before you speak, slow to speak. It doesn't mean don't speak, but think before you speak. Be slow to speak, quick to listen. A lot of times we're quick to speak and make a judgment or an accusation or think we know the situation, think we know what's going on, so we just speak based off our assumptions. But if we're quick to listen, just ask some questions to get to know the situation better, and then you're slow to speak, and then you can say something that may be helpful and wise instead of just the first thing that pops into your mind. You know, in Colossians 4, it says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Think before you speak. Is this seasoned with grace? Is this seasoned with grace? If it's not, maybe you shouldn't say it. To think before we speak. To rise above. 1 Peter 3, 9 says, Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Don't repay evil with evil. That's so easy. They insulted me. I deserve to say something back. They talk bad about me. I deserve to talk bad about them. It's my right, we'll say. It's not. Rise above. It calls upon our inheritance. It calls upon our calling as believers that part of this, part of our identity, is to repay evil with blessing. To rise above When we think, well, they did it, why can't I? Three, build up. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Let no corrupting talk, but instead, what is good for building up, as fits the occasion, so that those who hear receive grace from our words. 
we have to know how powerful our words are. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You have the ability to build people up when you speak. So when we speak, let's make sure that it is to build them up. Verse 4, or sorry, point 4. Pray instead of gossip. Proverbs 11.13 says, A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Proverbs 12.18, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. He says the tongue of the wise brings healing, but somebody who is gossiping and and saying things, their, their tongue is literally like a sword slashing them. You know, maybe you haven't committed murder, but have you stabbed people in the back with your words? It's like a verbal murder. It's a verbal slashing them of a sword. But he says instead, the tongue of the wise brings healing. Well, how do we speak wisdom? James in chapter 1 said, if any of you lack wisdom, ask God. Pray for it. So instead of gossiping about people, talking bad about people, we pray for them. And then in that, God gives us the wisdom to speak instead. To speak with a wise tongue and speak life into people's lives. Point five. Proclaim His truth and His excellencies. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. He calls upon our identity there. Did you notice that? He says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. Think of the significance of that title. You didn't have in the Old Testament royal priests. You had priests, which were from um, one tribe, and you had the royal family, which was from another tribe. So you can never even have that. But as believers in God's kingdom, we are royal priests. We are both children and servants of God. Think of your identity before you speak, and with it, proclaim His excellencies, He said. Why do we do that? Because he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know, oftentimes when we are speaking evil of somebody, it's because we're viewing ourselves higher and more worthy than we ought. We're thinking of ourselves as better. Remember here, part of your identity is that he called you out of darkness into marvelous light. The same with them. And it levels the playing field. It says we aren't better than them, even if we think we are. So who are we to speak against others? To speak evil of others? Instead, we need to love them, knowing that Christ called them too. He loves them. So much so, He sent His only Son to die for them. You know, in Matthew fifteen eighteen, it says, But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. You notice he says that when you speak, you're revealing your heart. And a lot of times we don't want to agree with that. (laughs) Well, it's not really what I meant. I was just kidding around. Sometimes 
Our words are hurtful, though, and it reveals that our heart is hurtful. Our heart likes to hurt people. And that's why we say the things we do. Our heart likes to gossip. That's why you gossip. Our heart likes to lie. That's why we lie. It reveals things about us. But as James says before, he's calling upon our identity. We should grow to where now this becomes something that is out of character for our identity in Christ. And to realize that as a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, we can rise above. We can think before we speak. We can pray instead of gossip. We can build others up and we can proclaim God's excellencies. You guys will pray with me. Father, thank you so much for this convicting text, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would all as a church be aware of our words. Be aware of the damage or life that our words can cause. That we would be slow to speak and quick to listen, Lord. But in all this, Lord, I hope that this isn't just a message that makes us feel guilty about things that we've said, but gives us confidence for the things we now can go out and say. That we can change people's lives by encouraging them, building them up, and proclaiming your excellencies, Lord. Teach us how to not live in the past, but look to the future as as we have this identity that you've given us, Lord, that we would speak from that identity. Speaking life into other people's lives. Lord, help each one of us see how we can build others up. Lord, I pray that you would reveal a person to each one of us right now that we can encourage. Reveal to each one of our hearts a person that you want us to go and speak life into. And that we'd be willing to do it, Lord. In your son's name we pray. Amen.